Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network. This is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis blessings and its effects on life's journey. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which might be the vehicle that takes you through life's journey. Each broadcast, I talk with mentors who may provide that roadmap for your journey. These coaches have paved the pathway for many players and coaches. Most have authored books and papers on tennis and life, and they continue to give back today. Who are these mentors you might hear on our Thursday broadcast? The almighty whirlwind each month, either Alan Fox or Coach Chuck Reese will be on. On those other Thursdays, it might be Coach Scott Williams or Dr. Bryce Young, Coach Ashley Hobson, Energy Coach Linda LeClaire, or any of the others who have we've been blessed to have mentored us during the well, over five years now. I've been blessed to have other coaches like Ed Kraft, Nick Saviano, Johnny Angel, Scott Engie, and many other college and high school coaches. You have also heard discussions with many others like FCA, FACA Executive Director Sheldon Cruz, Florida Tennis Founder and Editor Jim Martz, PTR and USPTA Executive Director Dan Santorum and John Embry, and the dozens of other college coaches, USTA officials, or industry leaders who we've had blessed to have on the broadcast. And because I do believe Dr. King's statement, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter, I will add my personal views on tennis and life. Naturally, you will hear my biased views that the tennis journey should be going through our high schools and colleges. And that's even harder today because, unfortunately, many of our high schools look at tennis as an after-school activity rather than an after-school sport. Of course, the nice thing about Block Talk Radio is you can listen anytime you choose to Coach Denise Explore Tennis Blessings or any of the other Yellow Ball Network programs like Chuck Reese, our mentor t- this evening, uh, American Tennis, uh, anytime you choose to listen to them. I would like to thank the Yellow Ball CEO, J.P. Weber, for hosting our network. And if you are not following We Coach Tennis on Facebook, you're missing out on some useful information. Besides our weekly conversation, the almighty willing, you will be able to continue reading my articles in Florida Tennis Magazine. And as I've stated previously, if you disagree with my views or want to add something, email me at coachdenise.fhstca.com at att.net. Who knows, you may hear your views on a future Coach Denise Exploring Tennis Blessings or read them in Florida Tennis Magazine. I should also remind you that if someone has taken the last issue of Florida Tennis from your pro shop and you are not a subscriber, 
You can also find stories in between issues by Jim Marks, the other writers, or myself. We try to keep you current on Facebook of what's going on in between issues. And that Facebook is at, at capital FL Tennis. That's capital FL Tennis. Well, I think we have uh, interest in program tonight and the time in one. I know usually I do my uh, commentary before the broadcast, but I'd like to go into a minute, uh, 90 seconds maybe, explaining why this next series of broadcasts are going to be going on. And uh, I've already submitted my uh, January 9th commentary, which I think is important, and it's about building team players. Uh, There's a difference between being a tennis player and being a team player, and uh, we've talked about it before, and that's what my commentary is about. Uh, But uh, this evening, we are uh, talking about, and we're Quite frankly, uh, asking the uh, question, uh, will top-down USTA management produce the next American champion or not? Uh, I think, like I said, it's a timely timely discussion. Uh, We can't keep our heads in the sand forever. Uh, If you look at recent things like the NCAA, uh, decision to allow athletes to earn uh, compensation uh, for their name or images or likeness. likeness. Uh, it's come in. Uh, if you uh, got, I think it was probably about five years ago, I brought up at a FHS TCA meeting should high school tennis players uh, be subsidized uh, for player? Might have been that one when. Uh, uh, Coach uh, Greasy uh, blessed us with spending the weekend with us, and everything was built around his presentation. But I'm not sure. It was a while ago. Uh, we didn't get into much of a discussion because uh, the uh, coaches decided they didn't want to discuss it. Uh, and there's a lot of things we don't like to discuss, but I think we have to look at what's going on with other sports and everything. For instance, baseball is considering reducing their minor league teams because of international players and because they're looking at college um, players uh, as being in a similar situation as minor league players. So, uh, you know, it brings up serious questions. And, of course, uh, uh, my uh, commentary, uh, I think it was last week or the week before, I talked about – uh, Joe Drocker's uh, Three Wise Men article in the December-January issue of uh, Tennis Magazine, and he talked about Dennis Vandermeer and Pancho Segura and Vic Braden and how tennis uh, was built by the ground up in the 60s, and which made that uh, a, a great game it is. So can we do that again, or does it have to be from uh, the USTA uh, doing it? And then, of course, uh, next week we're going to have Bobby Bayless on, and his discussion in his book will will be about uh, his cross-court reflections. If you haven't picked up the book yet, I do suggest you get the book. It's 
a great book on the history of college uh, tennis as he saw through Navy and Notre Dame. Uh, he mentions a lot of the great coaches. Uh, Coach Christie, he's mentioned a few times uh, in the uh, uh, book. And, uh, and of course, then uh, at the end of this month, we're going to have Ashley Hobson on, who's been a mentor of ours, but he's been a coach with the ATP, WTA, ITF. And he'll be sharing stuff about uh, international experiences going on. And uh, the first week of February, uh, Alan Fox will join us. And on that broadcast, we're going to be discussing if college tennis players uh, should not include uh, tennis professionals. Uh, and like I said, it's a topic I brought up years ago, and uh, nobody wanted to discuss it, which I respect, uh, and we didn't get into a long discussion. But uh, I do wonder if we, uh, you know, instead of hiding from issues, if we shouldn't just address them. Coach, are you there? Coach John, Greasy, are yes, you there? I am. Yes, How I are am, you this John. evening? Oh, I'm good, and I really appreciate you cutting me a little slack. i just, you know, been busy, but thank you for scheduling me and, and uh, working around my schedule a little bit, and I'm, I'm just uh, – Anxious. Uh, I think we we've got a good show for for people, but more importantly, a very good discussion. And uh, thanks for getting the word out there on so many of these things that we need to. Yeah, I think in this day and age, uh, unfortunately, we either avoid subjects to talk about, or we. Uh, or, you know, it's a lot easier for me, you know, to my 80th year to bring things than it is for younger coaches. But if we don't address them, uh, you know, what are we going to have in the future? I don't know. And uh, and you know more than anybody uh, being and winning this uh, ACC coach and the people you coached over the years and put into uh, the game, uh, are we doing this? Can we do that? Uh, can we make uh, colleges the uh, place where uh, our pros are going to come from? Um, and, you know, and who should be doing it? I think too often we blame organizations and, uh, you know, as much as I love the PTR, I don't think, I don't know if the PTR can do it or the USPTA or the USTA, uh, your thoughts, please. Well, uh, first of all, look, John, so people come to, uh, to every situation with a different viewpoint, with a different paradigm. Tennis is a universal sport or a sport of the world. It's a, it's a sport where it's played all over the world. So therefore, mm -hmm. people have a different viewpoint or a different paradigm or a set of references of what, of what they believe makes it tick and what they believe works as far as motivating their kids and, and so forth and so forth. Um, there, there's, there's issues. I, I would like to make a couple absolutes that I believe um, – we, we've got to clear up. And, and number one, when we're, when we're, any of us 
especially in the USA, because we lo- I love the USA, and I love USA tennis, and I want to see tennis prosper again in the USA, and I want to see college tennis prosper again, and I want to awaken the sleeping giant in high school tennis and rural tennis, and uh, let's get our old people back playing tennis instead of pickleball, and that's a whole subject in itself why I believe that has happened, and they've gone away from tennis. But, John, this is an absolute truth. Most of the time when you talk to people, even in leadership position, they say, oh, kids have changed. Oh, times are different. No. I absolutely take a different approach and a belief. People don't change. What changes is the stimulus, the stimulus of what, gets people excited about doing something or people inspired. You've been a coach for many, many years, John, and you know that through the generations that you've coached, there are many, many different things that inspire your youngster. Any coach out there knows that whether it's the carrot, as simple as the carrot or the stick, that's one thing. But many, there's many, many things that inspire youngsters. But in the end, kids have not changed. They need to be inspired. They will not buy into the same things of importance that make adults think something is important. So here's here's a one point. We've got to start from the the standpoint of what inspires our youngsters to play tennis and to want to be good at tennis. And this, this is going back. I, I, I've often said, and I've got wrote an article some years ago called the three drugs I got from playing tennis when I was a child, dopamine, adrenaline, and endorphins. The dopamine rush of feeling the contact on the ball or the contact of the racket to the ball. The feeling of the sun on your back, the sweat, the just the smell of the ball when you'd open up a new can of balls. Just all of those things that, that enticed you to love this special, special game. The other part, the other dopamine rush was the fact that it was so, so hard that when you had some success with it, you had a little success, then a little more, then a little more, and it fed you a little bit of success at a time in just hitting the ball and learning how to hit the ball. It it did not ever let you go from zero to 100 at your success rate right away. It was extremely hard. And, John, I was an Indiana high school basketball player. I played one year in college ball and I'm just like you I dreamed of being a high school basketball coach and when I started playing tennis at age 13 or 14 and I went over to the courts tennis courts in my local park in Indianapolis Indiana and started playing tennis and I would swing and miss or I would swing and shank the ball and the ball I couldn't control it it was so hard as an athlete as a young athlete I go, whoa, this is something special. I want to be able to learn how to do this. And it tantalized me to the place where I would spend hours on the backboard trying to find that sweet spot. Now, 
there is no way in the world that children have changed so much that they would not want that same excitement or that same adrenaline, not adrenaline rush, but that same dopamine rush from hitting the ball perfect. And you would hunt for the sweet spot on the backboard. You would swing, and it would go, you'd, no, no, shank, no, no. There it is. No, no, it went away. Oh, well, wait a minute. Wait, almost got, almost got, almost. No, 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 it went away. And it was so hard to do, it absolutely tantalized you, or it coaxed you into wanting you to do it again and again and again. So you think kids have changed? Why do you think that they do these video games? These video games tease them just the same way. They never let you fully succeed. They tease you, tease you, then take it away, tease you, tease you, and take it away. So I'm going to say this when I talk about the dopamine rush that I got. (laughs) They did serious harm to the game when they made the technology to where the game was easy to hit the ball for every Tom, Dick, and Harry that came along. Immediately, the thirty per, the player that was at the 30th percentile was able to take a jump to the 60th percentile of ball striking. Why? Because of technology. The 60% people were able to take a jump to the 80th percentile. And, and, the, and everybody said, oh, this helps the game, this helps the game. With the old buzzards now, John, like you and me, we're becoming old buzzards. I hate to tell you that. But the old buzzards would play, and, oh, yeah, you could use the weed. It could keep more balls into play. Well, John, the old people don't play anymore. They've gone to, to pickleball because the ball striking has overcome the movement for old people. The ball striking. I told someone today, this older fellow says, I don't play anymore because I just can't run balls down. And I said, yeah, the technology made it to where – you're trying to do the waltz, but they're playing disco music. And, and, and that's what the technology did. And the people who controlled the technology, the marketeers, they came out with the high-tech rackets. And at first it goes, wow, instant tennis. Everybody's easier to do. Well, easier to pick up was easier to put down. So, John, the dopamine rush pretty much been taken away. I don't enjoy hitting the ball as much as I love tennis with a high-tech racket, but I love still to take my old wood Jack Kramer out or one of these folks listening out there. If you want to fall in love with tennis again, get your wood racket, go on that clay court, smell the clay. Oh, if you got red clay, even better yet. Open up that can of balls and hear it pop. And then you go out on the court, oh, and if you had gut strings in that racket and hunt for the sweet spot again, it, it is a beautiful, beautiful moment when you can start feeling the ball again. The second drug I used to get was adrenaline. I used to get adrenaline from competition. Now, we had six children in my family, three liked competition. One absolutely hated it. The other two were okay with it. Not everybody likes competition. I love the adrenaline rush of the competition. I always did. The dopamine, adrenaline, and then there was the endorphins, the third drug. That in the endorphins that I used to get as a child were 
was that feeling I would get after I played a long, long three-set match. One time I, had a, I won a 20-18 to 18 in the third set high school match. I won a match, 7-5-3-6-20-18 in a high school, high school match against a local other high school. The match lasted nearly four hours. There was a college coach there watching. I won that match 20 to 18 in the third. Both of us hugged each other. This this guy didn't know very well. Actually, a month later, I beat him 10-8 in the third in a tournament in New Albany, Indiana. But I 20 to 18 in the third is something that I remember, have remembered my whole life. That was a special, special moment. But the endorphin rush that I got from the competition, the sweating, the exercise is something that that only if you're an athlete you understand. Now, I wanted to make the, this point. I'm going back to my first point. My first point, the kids have not changed. They still will will rise up and be inspired by these same things. But here's what we have done. We have the marketeers. We have put the job of pushing the game forward to marketing people instead of educators, instead of learned people. And I'm not going to get into the scoring systems and those things that the marketeers are pushing now. <laughs> By the way, may I say for the gambling, to prosper the gambling industry, if you make more randomness, it it pays the house better. It's not for the good of the kids. It's not for shorter matches. It's not to protect little Johnny and, and Susie. It is for the gambling industry. They are fighting to make it more random with the results. But again, the marketing people are driving this, not our educators. So here is the, the point of the discussion is, John, can top-down management ever produce a champion again well let me let me put it this way my friend coach randy blumendahl is a fantastic uh he's one of the most fantastic coaches out there there are very few that know how to play get players from the 70th to the 100th percentile he's one of them but he said to me recently he said well top-down management he says that's the rec the rec model that's the recreation model. There's right. no way in the world that you can produce champions with a rec model. Championship model must be from the bottom up. The bottom up. To be a tennis champion, you need to first master situation around your park or your club, then locally. Then you learn to master master it in that region or your county of your state, then in your state, then in your section. And then finally, if you become a master in those areas, you're motivated and guess what? You get to go to a big, big tournament and you have to go against those others that have mastered it in their regions. But look at the damage we have done. Again, our marketing people and our, not our educators, but our marketing people that would Put us under a point system where we say, kids, go out and chase the points. 
chase the points and go to Timbuktu, Alaska, or Kokomo, Oregon, if you're going to be able to get some points. And then guess what? You move up in the rankings. Well, parents might want to do that because they're trying to push their kids forward. Then they've got to keep up with the Joneses. They see Johnny Jones across town doing this. They think they have to do it. So they spend all this money, and they chase the points. And the kids are going, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I'm, I'm getting nosebleed here. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, 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 wait a minute. I'm not ready for this. I'm not even controlling my region. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. I'm getting nosebleed here. And when they get too high up on the mountain, they get mysterious injuries and bail out. Or they lose, or they kids look. Kids need to have rites of passage from bottom up. John, everybody yeah. out there, kids need to be inspired. They usually are inspired for two reasons and two reasons only. Number one, they're inspired by rivalries. They don't like to lose to the kid across the block. I had a, a best buddy, and what drove drove me was t- trying to be better than my best friend when I was 14 or 15. But if you could just hang with me. Now, imagine this, parents. Imagine this. I was 14 years old, and a girl that we both liked was sitting on a park bench watching us hit. We were hitting ten- at the tennis courts. We never had lessons. We just went to the park every day. And she said, Chuck, who's better? You or Kenny? And I said, I'm better. And, he, and, <laughs> and Kenny said, oh, I'm better. I won the last time. No, little John, listen to this. This is like September, right, when school started. after We used to start after Labor Day, right? I said, Kenny, don't lie. I'm ahead of you 163 to 148. John. <laughs> We played 300 sets against each other that year. Okay, John, can you imagine kids playing 300 sets against the same opponent in one year? We Not literally today. would play 10, 10 sets of tennis a day. We would go to the courts at 9 in the morning and stay all day long until they turned the lights out at night. For 35 cents, I could get a hamburger and a soft drink at the drugstore across they had a soda fountain across the street from the tennis courts for 35 cents and we would play until the lights would go out and then we'd repeat it the next day now here's what i'm saying kids are not inspired by points kids are inspired by rivalries oh and by the way it didn't change when i got into high school there was a the best high school player in the city of indianapolis went to a rival high school, and he played at our park. I never beat him. In the end, I played with this 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 man. He's, I just saw him recently. He's in Louisiana. I never beat him. But I burned to beat him for all four years in high school. But he became Indiana State champion without without ever having a tennis lesson. Now, Parents who listen out there, you'd say, oh, well, look, that's a little bit out there, but look, we didn't have computers and we didn't have the, the, to do this and do that. No, no, you know what we had to do, parents? 
we had to work four or five hours a day for our parents unless we snuck out and ran to the tennis courts. And, and yeah, we were busy too, but rivalries. And then guess what? Tournaments of heritage. Tournaments of heritage inspire kids. If you ask any player in the world if they would rather be ranked number one in the world or win Wimbledon, what do you think they would say, John? Wimbledon. You know, win Wimbledon. Sure. You think any play, any football team would rather, what would they rather do? Have an undefeated season or win the Super Bowl? Huh? Okay. Any kid in the United States, any boy, would you rather be number one in the United States or win Kalamazoo? Now, you Kalamazoo. know what the USDA is thinking about, dude? The USDA is thinking about taking away that championship at Kalamazoo and moving it down to their mega complex down there in Florida. And you know, if they do that, it's going to be just another tournament. It's not going to be a big deal. So, John, I've been yeah. going on here and on for about 20 minutes, I guess. And I wanted to set the table by saying, look, kids have not changed. They're still motivated by the same things. But we as adults have to be the stupidest people in the world to do something. Listen, this is the statement. Not because we should, but only because we can with the technology. And the more and more we look to marketeers and the more and more we look to technology, the more damage we're going to do to the motivation of our children. Without the motivation of our children to work for mastery and to work because they fall in love with the sport and not for the reason that adults love it. The reason adults love it is for stuff, for rankings. My kid can get a scholarship. My kid can get his picture in the paper. My kid can get this. My kid, kids are motivated by things much more simple than that, John. So that's, that's sort of my opening statement on that. Kids haven't changed. They really haven't changed. So yeah. I agree with you 100%. Uh, it's not the kids that have changed. It's we've changed. And I think in meaning well, trying to make things easier for our kids, we forgot. I mean, uh, when you go, when I went first grade, what were you taught? It was the repetition of things till you got better, till you learned that. You didn't go into division and turn your learn your multiplication tablets. And we and competition is something we all did. We all had that person that we tried to compete with uh, when we were younger, and then we tried to make everybody equal and. And uh, and it's not the kids' fault. I agree with you 100. percent It's our fault. Yeah, and and look, it, it's not just tennis either. They're doing no. it everything. I mean, the, the marketeers think of what they've done. Uh, baseball, okay, baseball. My son loves baseball, and he's he's crazy about it. they. The traditionalists have fought so hard to keep the pure, but behind the scenes. Anybody who's a baseball fan, you have got to admit that they're juicing the balls. They are absolutely juicing the balls, hoping that there are more home runs. And the pitchers, the pitchers absolutely are beside themselves. I'm trying to think of the pitcher that had a big – Verlander, is it? Is that the pitcher? I think he had a big great article. Pitcher, great pitcher for Houston, yeah. Yeah. 
You right, know, right, right. They had a big article in there, and he said they absolutely were juicing the balls because they want more home runs. But what does that do to, you know, the, the, but the, here's the thing, the drama of tennis, it's not the excitement of tennis. Here, in, with no ads, tennis, I sat in on so many meetings with these people say, oh, it's exciting, it's exciting, it's exciting. Of course, my statement was, Excitement dwindles with each occurrence, and, and drama intensifies with each denial. So yesterday I'm watching, I'm, I'm training my players. You're going to love this. Okay, so I'm training my players to get ready for the season. We've been on like a seven-day retreat here. And so what we've done is my top eight have done their thing, but I've got eight guys below eight, number nine to 16. I, I keep as many players as I can. By the way, I have a no cut, but a very high bar. <clears throat> if players don't make their mile time. They don't make my team. They've got to make their mile time, no matter how good they are. So anyhow, my guys down below, it's time to start the season. And I said, guys, eight of you are standing right now. We're going to compete for the next four to five days. You're going to love this job <laughs> as an old basketball coach. Four or five days, and only two of you will get to advance to the travel team. So, I, you know what my competition is? We're going to play regular scoring. It's a race to 100, 100 games, guys. So I put them on the backboards, and I, here we go. And we would switch partners every 30 minutes for the first first morning session. And then what I did was best players played best players with best scores, weaker players against weaker players. Okay, no, the reason I'm saying this, it got down, absolutely got down to where one boy had 96 games, the other boy had 94. The race is to 100. I said, okay. I said, Luke, I said, you're at 96. You're going to start with a 2-0 lead. And I said, Leo, you're going to start at zero. Whoever wins this set is in, baby. Oh, 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 listen. Do you know how many do-sad games there were? We had about ten people sitting there on the edge of their seat. Oh, my God, holding their breath. Oh, my gosh. These kids played and played and competed. And it got down to the place where they got – they. One guy choked away three match points. Then the other guy blew two match points. And the kid who choked the first match points away finally got into a tiebreaker, finally was able to put together. But, John, I've coached tennis. I've seen over 30,000 matches in my 48 years of coaching. I figured it out one time. With 130 dual matches, or excuse me, uh, 1,300 dual matches, and all the matches I've watched, John, these guys are playing off for number 10 and 11 on our team. And I was speechless watching the drama. Okay? And, and it was fantastic. In the end, they embraced and hugged each other. They hugged each other. And I'm saying, this is what it's about. But if we, we do some hokey pokey show, some, oh, no ad scoring, let's get it over with, it's exciting. It's like, the is that it? The roller coaster ride's over, up, up, well, let's go over to the Ferris wheel. You know, it's like, what, is that it? it? The drama was unbelievable. 
But see, in baseball, they're doing the same. Basketball, John, you were a basketball coach. I absolutely despise the shot clock and the three-point play. The shot clock I hate because, because it took away from all the multiple sets you used to have. Right? Am I right, Coach? Well, it did. It changed the whole game, and so did the three-point shot because it just, uh, uh, you know, you have more court that you have to cover, and you have players that don't necessarily play defense, but they give those three points at the right time. It's changed the game. There's no two ways about it. Oh, it's terrible. They, they they drive down low. If they don't get it, they pop it back out to the three-point line, and they shoot jump shots. See, people don't understand that. The part of the beauty of basketball, I was a point guard, and I was a good shooter, and I worked for hours at my shooting. I could hit free throws literally by closing my eyes. I once was in a free throw contest in college, and uh, intramural free throw contest, I made 99 out of 100 free throws. In high school, wow. I shot 92% free throws. I shot free I, – I shot until – but by the way, that 99 of 100, I lost the contest. The kid at one made 161 in a row, if you can believe that. So anyway, wow. <laughs> but, but the bottom line on the John was I used to think, hey, the guy gets a layup, they get two points. If I hit my jumper, that's two points. If the guy makes a hook shot, two points. Everything was two points. They don't give, they don't give 14 points for a passing touchdown in football. They give six points for a foot passing football uh, touch. They get you run a one second one yard off tackle slant. It's six points. Same six it's points. All the, it's six points. Six points. Six points. So you know, so the three point thing has completely screwed up the game. It's completely screwed up. Back. I can't stand it. Last night the NBA game was on. Those guys, you NBA players, you listening to this, you guys are not playing defense. You wouldn't play on my team or Coach Denise's. Any of you NBA guys, I don't care who you are, I don't care how good an athlete you are, you wouldn't be on my team because you can't play defense. I remember you guys, watching you remember? the wrong ball, Coach. You don't say, I don't watch NBA. I don't watch NFL. I, I, I'm still hoping that college comes up, but I watch college. But you're right. I mean, it's interesting. I've got two grandsons now in the baseball and they're both pitchers, and they're both uh, hoping to be uh, drafted. They're both playing uh, college uh, uh, baseball now. But I wonder, now that baseball talking about in the seventh inning, if I put you in for relief, you have to pitch to three people. I mean, they're, uh, they're taking the strategy away from the the game. So, Everybody is, you know, thinking that one of my two grandsons, you know, doesn't throw in the 90s consistently. The, the other one does. So, you know, what's the thinking? Well, I bet I got to get up to 90 now because otherwise, you know, I can't use strategy like I did to get people out. And he was, uh, if you go into uh, – Marion College, uh, he's the number uh, pitchers all over the place because he won all the awards last year. But uh, I, I don't understand it uh, at all. What, what do you think Greg Maddox would be would make it now? 
with uh, <laughs> you, yeah, you wonder oh, I know, but the point is is uh they juice the balls, they juice the balls, yeah. how dare them basketball, they've screwed it up, athleticism has overcome skill set, I can't stand watching athleticism over and over. Once you stuff a basketball 38 times in a game, it's just sort of a yawner. The worst is you, when you watch those NBA games on TV, people in the stands are sitting there drinking a beer, almost nobody even applauds anymore. So the thing is, we're doing the same thing with tennis, aren't we? No ad scoring. Hey, the marketing, let's make it more of a hokey pokey show. It's not working. So let's go back to the top-down management. Here's, here's what I want to say about it. Top-down management, anytime you do top-down management, the first thing you do is you steal incentive. Socialism steals incentive. We all know that. Well, what is socialism? Socialism is top-down management like no child left behind. Government run, government organize, all this testing that it does with all the teachers are, you, I wouldn't want to be a high school teacher now for anything in the world. They completely stripped the motivation, you know, away from people, the top-down management. But, again, systems are created because we can, not because we should. Computers allow us to create these nice systems, whether it's a draw sheet or whether it's a shortened version of something. The point systems, they're systems. They do not inspire. But here's a bigger thing. Nobody thinks about this. So, we're going to run USDA now from headquarters down in uh, Cocoa. Where is that? What's that? Lake Kubota? What Lake? What is it called? Lake Nona. Lake Nona. Nona. Lake Nona. You USDA lovers, I said Lake Kubota. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Lake, whatever the place is. So now you want to be the headquarters of everything. So here we are, Big Brother headquarters, Big Brother USDA headquarters. So here's what they do. Let's send out the directives to all the states. And it goes down to the section level. By the time it goes from the section level, it goes down to the state level. Then it goes to the county level. Then it goes to all the clubs. Now we're five levels of separation. We get to five levels of separation. My friend, who I know very well, runs a club. He said, what the hell is this? <laughs> he, goes, he, goes, he goes, what the heck is this stuff? He said, are these people crazy? They want me to do this stuff. They're calling and saying, we want you to use this system. Well, this stuff is diluted, polluted, and prostituted, he said. He said, this stuff is no good. He said it doesn't appeal. This must work in California, but it doesn't work here. Oh, this must work in Alaska, but it doesn't work here. It's just like politics. When you have government-run situations, any any rules government-run. That's why you said the the biggest power comes from bottom-up politics. You want to change the world, you change your neighborhood, then you change your town, then you change your bigger municipality, you change the state, you change the region. The same thing is true. The energy is sapped by the time it gets to that five, fifth level of separation. The energy is sapped, everybody out there. But when everybody has something to shoot for, 
and you have a goal to go after, and it's local, then it's regional, then it's statewide, then it's then it's section, then it's national, then it's world. And then you get this kid that just started out at the park, and he becomes a champion. Holy guacamole. Are, the, are they inspired, people inspired by this? And, and so systems do not inspire. Systems sap your energy just like socialism. We have to fight like crazy. Our capitalist system works in the United States. Socialism will not work. It will cripple. It kills and cuts the soul out of a person. It puts the governor on the engine of human incentive. And, and it's terrifying. But here's what happens. These people get in these committees, and very often, very often bureaucrats have never walked the walk. They have never – I'm going to – this is – I've got so many stories I can tell you, but here's one. Any of you out there, you need to go see the movie Ford versus Ferrari. Because here's why. It is a very great parody on exactly what's happening with the USTA or top-down management. So old man Ford, Ford III, Henry Ford III, they they get in the battle with Ferrari, and they know in about 19 – this true story in 1963 or 64 that they've got to appeal to the baby boomers. Instead of the old World War II veterans who just wanted, they can drive the Ford Falcons or the Ford Fairlane and be happy with that. So they developed the Mustangs and things. But they also get into the racing building on the er, racing movement on the urging of Lee Iacocca, who was a young guy at that time. And he said, well, let's take on Ferrari. And they try to buy Ferrari, but he won't sell it. And they get a rivalry. So they go there. But Here's the point. It's a true story. 90% of that movie is true because I looked up about Ken Miles and Shelby Motors, and it was fascinating. But the most interesting part of the movie was the fact that top-down management and corporate bureaucrats from Ford were trying to interject and trying to tell the, the, G, the people who were working on the G-series G and the Ford, the race cars, how to do it. So old Shelby, who was played by Matt Damon, gets Henry Ford said, Mr. Ford, can I take you for a ride? I want to show you what your car will do. He said, well, sure. He gets in it and he goes, takes off and drives him and literally scares the crud out of him. Old Ford is crying. Oh my God. Oh my God. I never, I never understood. I never realized this. I never realized this. I never knew it was like this. He missed, and Matt Damon looks over to him, Mr. Ford, that's why you got to let me do this. No one understands that. All these people sit and they watch these race car drivers and they see these races. All these people who are bureaucrats in tennis sit and watch all these tennis matches. They'll go to the U.S. Open and they hobnob with all these people. But when it comes down to it, they have no clue what it's like to be a coach and coach hundreds of times what it is to be a player and to feel the absolute, the absolute adrenaline rush plus the terrifying pressure 
plus all of this stuff that tennis really is instead of just how you hit the ball. So they four, they make these ridiculous decisions. 3.5 players in committees. These people, and you know, these people who are these, these uh, oh, here's the pathway, these sports psychologist guys who have never coached a day in their lives, and they've read the textbook. It's just like Henry Ford's middle management people had never been in it. But the bottom line is Ford ends up letting them do it. Ken Miles and the Shelby guy, they win Le Mans. And, and then Ken Miles actually, in real life, did get killed shortly thereafter. But it shows exactly why we don't need top-down management if we ever want to be good. We do not need – here's what I'm going to leave you with, And then unless you got some more quick we, – we don't need systems – we need incentives. We need to inspire our children. No, we need to sit it. We need to put incentives there that inspire our young people to fall in love with what they do so that their soul can come out and be present and be on that tennis racket in, in the way they play and to be exposed. Yes, I think we need to let people make mistakes. And if, if the USTA was run so that the information was coming from the sections and going up, would there be mistakes? There'd be many. But I mean, and then I felt I made a mistake in putting the title, you know, from uh, to top down because in looking over and thinking about it, and when I seen a Joe Drucker's article in The Three Wise Men, and he could have left, I think he could have included a dozen more besides Dennis Vandermeer, Pancho, and Vic Braden. But the point is, the management, top-down management, didn't produce any. The success of no. tennis wasn't from no. the top-down management. It was from people like you and people like... A, a dozen more that could have been in the, that November December article that made it and built it from the bottom up and made mistakes along the way and everything. And I've argued for years, the eight years I was on the USTA board, Florida board. You know, we shouldn't be looking to the from direction from the national. We should be floating ideas to nationals and testing them. And were all my ideas good? I'm sure not. But, I mean, let's test them. Let's test them there. Let's test them out into the communities. And this is where the coaches are doing that. And this is why I always encourage young coaches. If you could hook on to a, a coach, Chuck Reese, I look at you know, when you came and, you know, gave your weekend, like you're giving your tonight from uh, important part of your day today, and those young coaches that just gathered around you and wanted to sit there and get any information you can, this is what makes the game. These people are going to go out, they're going to copy some of your stuff. Some of it ain't going to work for them because first they got right. to learn who they are. Right. But, I mean... This is where we developed. Our industry was developed uh, 
capitalism was developed in garages and uh, you know the uh, Jackson area when we were moving west what happened we couldn't wait for ships to come over with the stuff we needed so we made it ourselves was it as good as what it would have been in Europe probably not but eventually it was yeah I, I, mean, I mean John it couldn't be said better and you know what's ridiculous I think the USDA just panicked. Until 1987, they didn't have a um, you know player development area. Actually, I had an opportunity to maybe go in that direction back in there. I was a junior Davis Cup coach and some different things and some success. But I, I, I realized very quickly that I was going to have to be a corporate in a, in a corporate situation, and it would take some of the freedom away. But here's the point. We started copying Spain. We started copying these other countries. And I'll be daggone if I ever want to be a second-place fiddle or an imitation of someplace like Spain or an imitation of German tennis or imitation of Swedish tennis back then or an imitation of Serbian tennis or an imitation of British tennis or an imitation of anybody else. This is the United States of America, the greatest country in the world, the greatest facilities, the greatest coaches, the greatest opportunity. And by God, we should not be copying those guys. And and, and, and anybody who doesn't feel that way, I'm not being stubborn. I will use ideas from anywhere. But my golly, we need to be number one in the world at being who we are. And if that isn't number one, then it's not number one. We're going to be number one at being USA Tennis. I love American tennis. My program's called American Tennis. I'm a patriot to the United States of America. I want United States of America champions. I want USA Tennis players on my college teams first. We've got to get that back right. But anybody that doesn't feel like that, it's not that I dislike anybody out there. But I believe in the sovereignty of the United States of America. In tennis, it is not, we do not need to be copying or be an imitation. The best we could ever be, I don't care if we get everybody to copy Roger Federer, that's fine, he's a great role model. But I don't want to be an imitation of what Switzerland is. I don't want to be an imitation of Spain. Let's be number one to be in the United States of America. John, that only happens through bottom up local to regional to statewide and then yeah you're exactly right a lot of mistakes on the way you solve the problems but you find out what works for you and that's how innovation happens whether it's with henry ford figuring that out or whether it was daggone not bill gates but uh what's his name with uh apple uh what's his name yeah i uh, can't think of it either but right <laughs> And everybody says he couldn't, uh, you know, he couldn't work for him, but, uh, you know, he he developed it. How about they look at Cuban coming out of his garage and tending bar and everything? And, uh, you know, this is what I say. Yeah. This is yeah. how we grew. This is what uh, – today we're afraid to, uh, you know, make a mistake and we're helping people get through, uh, you know, the past tests. And we're, we're, uh, we 
forgot. And, and, and competition has become a dirty word. And competition is what got us where we are today. So, oh. listen, well, I rec, appreciate rec you. Is, rec tennis is kinder and gentler. And, oh, it looks good on the front end. But it, it ain't getting us anywhere, man. Well, it's got, it's got us pickleball, ball, and there's, I think what it's got us is we're growing into pickleball. I, I do admit, yeah. I, uh, I, <laughs> I'm on the uh, Parks and Rec Commission in uh, my community, yeah. and I, I, uh, didn't, I, I, I haven't been to the new pickleball facility that's going to go, and part of it, uh, I was asked why, and part of oh. it's my ego, I admit, I just, uh, oh, I'm having a hard time, admit, and I'm getting older, and to me, that's that's a game that the USDA, if they developed it, we introduced a game shortening the court for people that were 70 and older, John. and at least they would have been playing tennis, John. but instead, uh you know, in, in our community, it's going to be built. We just built eight courts. It's going to be bigger. We had two already, but uh, I'm not going to play it until I get old. And uh, 80 no. is not John, old can I make a point? Last yes. point, I got to make this, okay? I got to make this point. You want to bring all the older people back to tennis? Okay? Just like I said, they're only able to dance the waltz. They can't disco or cha-cha you know, any more Foxtrot. You daggone older people start using wood rackets again, and the symmetry will come back into the game. The ball striking, do not use high-tech stuff. Use the symmetry of wood rackets, and you'll start playing tennis again. It's that simple, and it, it really is. Don't change it. Don't use small courts in tennis. Old people's big mistake when they try to use those red, orange, green stuff for old people because old people say, hey, I don't want to go back and be a kitty again. Let me play regular tennis. Well, <laughs> Coach, we got to thank you. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you for taking the time. I know how busy your time was today. I do want to tell, let everybody know that Next week, uh, we'll have uh, Bobby Payless on. Uh, he has, uh, I think, a good, a very good book, uh, Cross Court Reflections. Like I said earlier, it's kind of a history, uh, his history of his uh, journey through college coaching. And he's met a lot of people. Chuck has uh, mentioned him here a few times. Uh, and uh, it's a great journey. But I think it's a, a good book for young coaches, too. Uh, to understand what the what college tennis is about, uh, there are some lessons in there, lessons of tennis and lessons of uh, life. Uh, the, and a couple of weeks after that, we will end the um, January with Ashley Hobson on for Inspiration Academy, and then uh, the first uh, Thursday in. Uh, February, uh, we will have Alan Fox, and he'll have an interesting conversation. We'll be talking about should the pros be uh, allowed to play uh, tennis, too. And I think uh, it's an interesting concept, and you're going to see it in other sports. I mean, the college game is changing. 
Uh, hopefully, it's gonna it's gonna need another change to change for the better because we're not giving them the people out of high school no more. Thanks for joining us. I look forward to talking to you again next week, and have a blessed week. Bye now.